Night house. We're all living in a night house. The night house. There's a spooky house, but now we're in the day house. Give me a moment's peace and take out the trash. We pay taxes for people to come and take the garbage. Hey, listen, Greeny, no more sneaking rides to the junkyard. Yeah, man, take a taxi when you want to go to the junkyard. Welcome to Hot Trash Unlimited, the show where me, Joe, and me, Caleb, leave our house, go to the cinema, and experience movie in the medium they were meant to be experiences, says Dennis Villanueva. Yeah, we watch them in our cars, on our phones, with the with the audio going through a short uh, a XLR cable. Or yeah, a splitter. One of the, and, one yeah, of the yeah. ox and the headphone yeah, splitters. But it has a short in it, so we only get like every, you know, couple seconds. On HBO Max. Yeah. In 240p. Just as Denise Villeneuve intended. <laughs> Caleb, what do we see this week? We saw a movie that we have both, or at least I have, been eagerly awaiting. Uh, we both have. We we it, From the moment we saw the trailer, we were like, yep, movies are back, baby. And so are movies on the podcast. The Night House. My husband took a boat out on the lake. He took a, a handgun that I didn't even know that we owned and... I didn't think we had secrets. Everybody has secrets. It's our house. Went backwards. What the hell was he doing? You want to give a little backstory to our uh, knowledge of this movie? Yeah, listeners, if you want to travel back with me to when we saw Kong v. Godzilla uh, with our buddy Elijah at a um, at a theater that we don't know, certainly wasn't Beagle Unlimited, <laughs> um, but we, we saw a number of trailers beforehand, and one of them happened to be The Night House. The first trailer. Yes. The first trailer back in theater since they had shut down again in September. And it, it it charmed me quite a bit. And I was like, this, this looks like a movie I can have fun with. Mm-hmm. Now, it's been six months since then. We have not seen the trailer since. <laughs> we have we have seen the Jackass trailer about a billion times. Which just got moved again. We, we've seen so the we'll Hall- see it a billion more times yeah. before it comes out. We've seen the Halloween trailer a, a billion lot, times. But we haven't seen this. We haven't seen nope. Nighthouse trailer. Nope. And so it's lived in the back of my mind. Rent free. And I have like, I do not remember a single thing about that trailer, why I thought it looked so funny. But all I remember is I'm excited for this. There were moments where I was like, yeah, this is in the trailer. Like when she's talking to the mom about, about her husband, I was like, yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. I think that was in the trailer. And I think, I think the footprints were, I can at least pick out the, the footprints parts that were, would make sense. The, when she, the, the part that I still don't know if it's a dream or not, when she like sees herself sleeping on the couch or whatever, there's a couple, a couple key shots, a lot of the beginning. Yes. Um, but we have finally made it. We have made it to night house. The, the journey. Night house. Yeah. The journey that no one knew we were taking because we didn't Except ever bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> But we, we've arrived at the night house and Joe looking around, looking at the nice architecture. What do you think of the night house? Certainly is confusing. I got to confuse those spirits so they don't know what's going on. 
This is the movie Mike Flanagan has been trying to make for over a decade. <laughs> you, did say, you said something Mike Flanagan related in the car, and I was like, he, he had no involvement in this movie. No, he didn't, but this feels like everything he was trying to do with Hush and Oculus and Before I Wake, even down to the casting of Rebecca Hall, he only casts white women with long black hair. And so I'm like, oh my God. I, having not seen either of these movies, I was getting Hereditary Midsummer vibes of just like, I don't know if this is spooky or not, but I have a feeling it terrorizes some people. In the sense that there's kind of like this long, drawn-out dread. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is better than Hereditary. Again, I have not seen both those movies. I uh, Hereditary went from genuinely scaring me to making me burst out laughing. <laughs> You're the only person I've heard that has that uh, critique. Yeah, I mean, I've also heard people who just don't like it. But I, I would say... I'd say this is different enough from those two. This feels much more in line with kind of that indie scene that Flanagan comes from, the indie horror scene, especially because so many of those movies, and we saw one of those with Kevin Bacon last year who, that I can't remember the name of. Oh, that, that Netflix movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we're gonna, it's, you know, another spooky house. house. Yeah. Another, another, another creepy house. Yeah, and there are so many like that. Which Jurassic World 2. <laughs> yeah, the best of the indie horrors. <laughs> and I, I, I think... I like movies like that because I like haunted house movies. So I will say, as people who remember my Mike Flanagan rant from our Dr. Sleep episode, I've been waiting for him to make good movies. And I finally got it. But man, I wish his name was at the end of it, the credits. I really enjoyed this. You did? Yeah. Okay. I I had a very visceral experience with this movie. Okay, you were we we were in a crowded theater or semi crowded. We're in pandemic crowded. That means there were like four other people in the there. Theater. There was like twelve other people in one of the smaller rooms. But compared to the literal nobody else being in the theater that we have normally, it was crowded for us. So we're not able to equip to each other like we normally do. And Caleb had a few remarks I just never heard. Like I heard you say something, but I just didn't know what you were saying. And you were you're you're basically like this, like kind of inquisitive looking yeah, at and the I'm, screen. The I'm entire wearing time. my mask, so yeah. you can't see my expressions. Yeah, you know? I couldn't really tell what your vibe was. My vibe was, uh, oh, this is actually creeping me out, which most horror movies don't get to. I had an, I had a not an existential uh, sense. Just I just had a sense of dread uh, for about forty five minutes. Until I looked at the clock and realized it had been 45 minutes. I'm like, they got a lot to do in, four, in the next 45 minutes to end this movie. Because for an hour and a half movie, God, it felt slow. I, I Yeah, it's slow, but not drawn out, if that makes sense. Uh, hard to disagree. Yeah, I, I just think this was the exact... It paced things out the exact way it needed to, to build the tension. Um, but it is a slow burn. Um, so I understand where you're coming from, where maybe that tension wasn't built fully... And so, like, the inve- the time investment... No, 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 no. My tension was built, and then they kept building it too long. Oh. That's what it was. And then by the time the tension was supposed to break, there was no tension left for me to break. Because okay. they, 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 had, they had exhausted whatever time they had with me. I felt there were enough points of relief throughout um, that I was able to kind of, like, reset my barometer. And then, like, if there are two, like, there's underlying tension and there, then there's immediate tension. The immediate tension was always getting satisfied, but the underlying tension was always raising until the end. But what is this movie about, Joe? Rebecca Hall, uh, she's a character named Beth. Her husband recently committed suicide. She's going through the grieving motions that come with such things. And uh, she's finding out that... 
Her husband wasn't telling her everything. He did, he was doing some sneaky things on the side, and uh, also now she's having weird nightmares that she doesn't know if it's ghosts or if she's just depressed. And the audience doesn't know if it's ghosts or if she's depressed. And she has a couple friends who are trying to help her out. She has one from her job. Claire. Claire. And played by the actress from Barry. And I have to say, those acting lessons in Barry sure paid off. She's pretty good in this. She's pretty all right. Yeah. I think everybody's doing a really good job in yes. this movie. And then she has a neighbor who is also trying Mel, to... Mel, I believe his name is. Yeah. And he's also trying to help her out. But it comes. It's revealed at one point that he had some information about her husband that he hadn't told her, and that kind of breaks that connection. But what I really appreciate about this movie is I think it works on several different levels. But I think that exploration of grief, it really works on that. And I've never lost someone I'm close to, like like she has. But I imagine. Once that happens, you kind of start to question if you knew who that person was. And that's kind of the whole point of this movie is that she now doesn't feel like she knows who Owen was. And I felt like that driving all the horror was a very good like point, like an anchor point. I think you 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 risk a certain amount of your audience losing whatever investment, me being that audience, when you leave them without all the all the puzzle pieces for too long, mm. and I, you're you're going along uh, with Beth. She's having she, you're figuring stuff out as she is figuring stuff out. All the while, spooky things are happening. Now the audience knows you're in a spooky movie, so there's I, you got to give them some sort of thread to hang on to, and I feel like this movie is simultaneously trying to give you no answers and have you come to your own conclusion while giving you all the answers at the same time, but you don't know if they're actually answers. If that made any sense. Yeah, I think I think what you're saying there is something that... Um, I think it gets to a difference in how we watch movies. I kind of talked about this uh, off-podcast when we were talking about Wonder Woman uh, 1984, which is a movie I enjoy and that you don't. And I, I, say, I say this with no judgment. You are a more logical viewer... And yeah. you get bogged down in the logic. I get bogged down in the emotion. The movie has to, if you have failed to uh, suspend my disbelief, then I, I can't go along with your movie. Yeah. If, if, if there's a certain amount of logic that goes into it and then your movie just stops having that logic, then I'm like, you, you, you messed up already. You can't, you can't pull me back in. And for me, if the themes and the emotions pay off and I, I leave the movie like thinking through those, through the lens of the film, logic, either holes in logic or just failing to explain things don't matter as much. Yeah, I, I understand that because I think everything in this movie is really well done. The sound design, the oh, acting, the, the amount of times that everything just drops and you just hear breathing. Great. It was dead silent in a theater that had like a, a the door open the entire time mm-hmm. too. It was great, just everything. It was it was really yeah. well shot. Rebecca the camera Hall tricks, yeah. Is... Rebecca Hall's doing a great job. The writing just took me out of it because I re- I just started seeing everything and I'm like, yep, I'm real. This isn't an experience anymore. It's it's a movie. <laughs> they lost me. I th- ooh, that's interesting. I horror is an interesting genre for me because I did not watch it growing up. Neither did um, I. And so I was terrified of anything remotely scary. Chucky haunted my nightmares as a child. Yeah. My thing wasn't even scary stuff. It's just neither of my parents liked horror. 
you grew up in a in a Christian household, so it was kind of like, why would you fill your mind with horror? You know, the devil. Yeah, and so it's just not something I had much experience with. But in college, I realized that, and so I was like, this October, I'm gonna watch, th- try to watch thirty horror movies, and, and that's, so began the yeah my annual failure to watch thirty horror movies in October. Um, but because of that, because of when I came to horror, and because I was watching it while also simultaneously in film school, I am much more interested in the mechanics of it than I am necessarily the end product too. And when you mix that with the emotions, I definitely think like seeing the filmmaking become transparent probably becomes less of, or less of a problem to me than it would to a normal viewer. Does that because make sense? of my education. No, I... no, no, no. It's not education. It's, just, know, it's life experience, right? It's like when I when I started watching. If it would be the same thing if I started watching like rom coms in college or something like that. <laughs> what if this movie was a rom com? Well, as, at one point, it kind of is. Yeah. So overall, it doesn't work for you, but you do have those moments where it does work for the first like forty five minutes. It was up until the point where I like I realized we were over halfway into this movie and I still didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And like, I knew, I knew what the runtime was beforehand. I knew it was like an hour and a half hour 40 or whatever it was. I was like, I know they got to wrap this up at some point. So, and you- then it got to the point where like, I was like, okay, I guess we're in the second act. It, it got to the point where I was thinking about the movie, like formula as yeah, a whole. Yeah. And that was, and that was where it lost me. Cause it didn't do anything to pull me back in. It's it, all the, all the answers it started giving weren't answers or still leaving it a little too open-ended for me or they weren't addressing things that I felt like should have been addressed a little harder. What were some of those? They really just kind of passed by that. Her husband killed like a bunch of girls. Yeah. We should really, really, they really just like glossed over that. We should definitely go into that. So at one point her, her husband is an architect and at one point she finds across the lake from their house, a identical, in it's a reverse house. Marks. Yeah. And, I, and you know, it's kind of, we kind of knew about this in the trailer. You, it was, the trailer gave me the impression that it was like a reverse world. almost. Yeah. Kind of like us. Yeah. We're like, that's exact. That's what I thought was going into it where you keep seeing women that look like her and like the reflection of things or her husband. It's like, is he in the reverse world or something? That's what I thought it was going into. Yeah. It was very different. Um, but it's just a normal, like kind of rough, I, don't, I was going to call it a rough sketch of a house, whatever. A, it's the it, walls. It's the foundation. Stuff. It's the foundation. Yeah, yeah, but it also has the walls yeah. and stuff. And she goes there a couple times throughout the movie. The last time she goes there, she, the floor breaks. And by this point, she already knew that her husband had a fascination with women who look like her and that he had been, that he had been violent with one of them. Yes. And so the floor, floor breaks. She looks down into like the crawl space area and it's filled with, with dead bodies of women who look like her. And that that is what leads into kind of the final confrontation with the you know the maleficent force in this movie. And it but it never goes back to that. You never no. see and that's the one part of the movie that I think we can agree on. The points in the movie where you're like where's the horror from what this man really did and where's the horror from this force that is haunting her? Where do those cross over? And I don't feel like they did a good enough job connecting. Those. That's where I thought the movie was going to end. I thought that's where like the real horror was. Cause like I finally, like I still don't know what was going on, but my husband, 
murdered all these women. Yeah. And, and we, we don't know what, I thought that was going to be it. We weren't going to know. It's like, oh, maybe it was ghost. Maybe like much tidier ending in my mind. The connection it tries to make is that this, this force is the nothingness she felt when she had a near death experience in our great state of Tennessee, by the way, yeehaw. <laughs> It was either it was on it was on it was on low, bro. It was either it was either in the south or the east. We don't know which. Definitely wasn't in the middle because there were mountains. But and so she has this near death experience. She she experiences nothing when she dies. That is the force that's haunting her, and the and it's come back for her. And her husband has been killing other women who look like her to try to trick it, trickery. And that's where I'm like, I feel like the moot. The movie is almost justifying it. And it is for the majority. I'm like, I appreciate that. We don't know anything about the husband because we're only seeing it from her perspective. That's the one time that I feel like the movie it's the, if the movie was going to handle this responsibly, it should have revealed more. Like, is that actually what was happening? Is that something that's my problem? Nothing was trying to make her feel I think it's still it's still trying to like open ended answers of it was just like her grief in her head personified and like it wasn't actually a ghost or whatever, but maybe it was. Like I think it's trying to have both answers and we glossed over the physical real thing that happened. Yeah. It gets and, too and, real and at that moment. And it's like multiple women died. Yes. This this part was not in her head. Like and that you, was real. And you see some of that vi- violence and it's very like, I don't think it's sensationalized, but it is very visceral and brutal and uncomfortable to watch. Um, and I like the idea that, because she then goes back to the house and she's like, she tries to talk to Owen and like- Yeah, the ghost part, of Owen. Yeah, there's a part where she's connecting with it and then she eventually finds out it's not Owen. But in that moment where she thinks it's Owen, she is kind of relieved and happy. I like the idea of her still wanting to be with this man even though she now knows that he did things poorly, the problem or poorly, he was a, <laughs> he was a serial killer. Um, the problem is, is that the movie doesn't sit with that emotion long enough or that idea long enough. No, it starts like wrapping explore. things up. And yeah. at a point where I'm like, we still got questions to answer. You just gave us more info and now you're brushing it aside. It's yeah. That's the one part of the movie that I really think that's what holds us back from being a really good movie. Like top tier recent horror movies. I really enjoyed it. Oh yeah. Great. Uh, it was, it was really good. And I think the third act is the most like, Oh yeah, this is a horror movie. Got to get like the actual ghost stuff into here. Cause before it's, it's kind of, it's more just thrillery where there's, there's weird things happening and you're not really sure if it's a, like real things or a reflection of Rebecca Hall's state of mind. But the movie also never, gets you to believe that she's having any like episodes, I guess you'd call it where she's uh, like her, her grief is influencing like what she's seeing around her or something like that. She is, she is an alcoholic. Like she is guzzling down brandy for the majority of this movie. That's true. But this movie, this it's never having you like, it's never showing you, Hey, she is experiencing some things other than the specter that is haunting her right now. But also maybe it wasn't actually a specter. It's it's, I think it's just trying to do two different things at the same time. Well, it should have stuck to one of them. And ultimately I don't care which is true. 
I'm fine with things being left as abstract and and as ambiguous as needed for her to co- for her to come to her character arc, which I think she does. The finale on the boat is beautiful, and I love it. However, like you said, we had that part right before where it kind of doubles down on the horror stuff. I like that stuff. It it spooked me, but it does occasionally feel at odds with the rest of the film. I, I, I'm like, I'm going back on myself too. Cause it, it, it thinks it's trying to double down on this stuff of, or not double down. It's, it seems like it's trying to have the open-ended both ways, but also she discovers blueprints where he's specifically building these houses to confuse the specters, like make it a maze. Yeah. Like that is a real thing. There, there's, there's a bunch of real stuff in this movie that the, that they write into this movie and show you in this movie that they then ignore because they're also trying to have it be a metaphor at the same time. Which I think, I think all that stuff can bolster the metaphor. Sometimes you want to throw in a couple extra pieces. Cause to, to me, this is like, this is throwing out a bunch of ideas and letting the viewer, and it's a risky gambit cause maybe the viewer won't do this, but letting the viewer put together those pieces and, thus have a more personal experience, but a more meaningful one with the film. The problem is, I think if one of those pieces is prolonged and like repeated violence, like what we see happen to the, those women, I think that crosses a line. Like just for me, that, that kind of drew me out because it was too real. That, that scene was more just confusing me because I couldn't tell what was actually going on. Like, cause she comes to the, the night house at a certain point, you see all these women in the windows and then you're in the house and she's kind of getting dragged along, but I couldn't tell if that was a reflection of what was going on or like a memory. I, I, I couldn't tell what was going on. And I think the problem with one of those, with an open-ended uh, ending where you are, you're giving the viewer uh, pieces to connect on their own. And if they, if they lose a piece on the way, I, I I still think that's a fault on the director and not the viewer because you if if you're if you're letting them come to their own conclusion and then they don't get it but then they're told they're wrong because they didn't get it you messed up. Interesting. I feel yeah. like if you're gonna give it an open ended answer, but there be a right answer, then then it's wrong. I don't feel like there's a right answer here. Um, I think there is. I think it's the ghost. <laughs> Oh, you're talking about that. Yeah. This goes back to the logic thing. That is a thoroughly uninteresting question to me of whether there actually is a ghost or not. To me, it's like, what is the central theme of this movie? What is what is he putting all these pieces for to help you explore? Is it is it her coming to terms with her? And it can be multiple things. Is it her coming to terms with her grief? Is it her coming to terms with her violent husband? And does that mean that he was violent to her at some point? Is that her coming to terms with her near death experience, death experience? And then eventually reattaching to humanity and stop isolating herself. And I'm just not sure to put those pieces that well together because the violence, and I keep saying violence, but let's call it what it is. The murders are, too much of a too much of their own thing, mm-hmm. um, and it feels too separate from Rebecca Hall's character. Yeah, you put a different point. puzzle piece in the. In the it's a yeah. different set in the middle of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm building my Star Wars Legos, and you threw in uh, what are the other the off brand Bionicles, the Mega Blocks. <laughs> you threw in some Mega Blocks. Um, oh, I, I do want to say real quick tangent. I do 
really like how this movie does not use this, like, not visceral, that's a bad word, gory, bloody, violent um, kind of horror mm-hmm. until it needs to with showing all the all the murders. I think that that's handled really well. I wanted to throw that out there because it's part of my conflicting thoughts on the murders because while I don't agree with their inclusion in the story, I think from a filmmaking perspective, they are handled well, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think anything was like super obscene during that whole montage. Yeah, but even before that, we got nothing close to it. So it makes those scenes hit even harder. I thought I felt they weren't too like focused on like you're seeing everything from behind Rebecca's Hall, Hall's mm-hmm. head every time and it's kind of just mirroring where she is. So you, you're getting a sense of like uneasiness watching it also because it's like violent acts happening. But you don't really you can't really get a focus on what's going on before she's flung to the next one. Yeah. Um, do you, I have I have one more kind of question slash segment, but do you have anything else to say about the movie proper that we haven't touched on? I, I think this failed in its delivery, but I just I don't know. I, I feel like I'm always the uh, <laughs> like the the Dumbo that didn't get the meaning or whatever a lot of the time where it's like, I don't like this movie because it's just like I didn't understand it or something like that. That's kind of I feel like I'm kind of in that stance here where like I, I their their meaning flew over my head. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I mean, I don't, I don't think that films have an objective meaning um, because I don't care what the director's intention is. So for me, when you say that, I'm like, well, the, that all that means is that your experience with the film is that it didn't grab you. And I think that's perfectly valid. And it has nothing to do with whether the film is good or bad or not in an objective sense Mm -hmm. to you. It's bad because you didn't connect with it. And like, and it's different from, um, like a forever purge, which is just, it's a bad movie yeah, and it makes bad decisions. Yeah. Like there's more on the table here, but I, I think I don't, I wouldn't like say you're dumb for not connecting with it in that way. Well, no, I feel like I'm, I'm doing the, uh, the lay cinema sins thing of like gets to the ending. Okay. I feel like as though her character arc has been resolved and then all those missing puzzle pieces from the mega blocks that come in. Mm-hmm. It's like, Okay, there are these murders that she knows about. I'm assuming she's going to tell the cops about this at some point. Now, also, there's just so many of these confounding questions that just got left on the table that I'm like, this doesn't end. Like, I don't, I don't see her grief. Just like she, she's at peace with it at this point. Just because there, there's still all this stuff she didn't know about. And like, what if there is a ghost? Why is it giving up now? It was haunting her for 14 years or whatever when she had her near death experience. Why is it like ah? This is too hard. Um, I mean, I could I could give you my perspective on those and why I have I feel kind of the opposite about that, but I don't want to because I feel like that would be me like arguing with you, and I think that's perfectly fine to do with a dumb movie like Don't Breathe Two because that's the most entertaining thing. But I think here, what the more interesting thing would be to just talk about is like, yeah, I have that all the time with movies where I think, oh man, if those had ended 10 minutes earlier, they'd be so much better. Yeah, that's what I thought this one. Yeah. Yeah. Cut that 15 minutes and man, you have a you have a solid, like, if a little bit flawed flick. And I had a point here where I'm like, hmm, this could end here. But then it kept going and I'm like, ah, glad it kept going. I much more often have the opposite of that. Um, But yeah, so where I wanted to go um, kind of beyond the movie is to talk about weird, like this is a, this is, I would say the most interesting and probably best movie we have watched for the podcast. 
That's not saying much because we see bad movies. Yeah, we do. That's in the title. But it's so different from everything we have seen where even like Satanic Panic or Ready or Not, those are good movies, right? Well, they they have a comedic twist to them. Yeah, they have comedic twists. This feels so, like the closest thing I could compare it to is the little things, but the little things is bad. I I have a comparison. Oh, I think this is just a better executed and it's a vision old. They're not they're not the same movies, but I think they both yeah, have okay. they both have a message you're trying to tell. What Nighthouse is like way better executed yeah. in its filmmaking and dialogue and just the the aspects of the filmmaking. And old has this all the Shyamalan wonkiness that comes with it. But I think at the end, they're they're movies that are accomplishing the same thing with equally weird uh offbeats for Yeah, me. I think I think that's fair. That's also the most recent movie that I can think of where uh, I it, the 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 aspects of the filmmaking didn't drag it down for me. Yeah, I just think my overall point that I'm trying to make here is that this movie does not belong in our podcast lineup. Eh, I think it does. Had a bad trailer. Well, but <laughs> had a, we, well, we've had it, plenty of those movies that had trailers that we thought were going to turn into something different, and that's what I'm getting to. Like, if you just sat me down and watched this. I would say it's like, of course, why would we watch this for the film? Like, I have that all the time with like friends who are like, oh, are you going to watch this for the podcast? Yeah. I'm like, no, it's not hot trash. Yeah. It's like, it may be good. It may be bad, but it's not that. I'd have the exact same thing with Nighthouse, but we did think it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm very curious to go back to that trailer and find out the points. And I'm starting to wonder, and I might do this when I watch all my movies in October. Can you take any horror movie and cut it into a hot trash trailer? Like, just make it look like the goofiest, silliest stuff. Yeah, if you... All it takes for a hot trash movie... If they had kept showing the shadow in this and the outline of the dude in the trailer, I would have been laughing so hard every time it showed... I was laughing hard when it showed up in the movie because that's just a goofy imagery. Well, but, like, and I, I get why you're laughing, and I think there was a lot of horror that if it doesn't land for you it's going to come off as comedic. Invisible Man. Love that movie. Yeah. Every time in the trailer, they show something with the Invisible Man doing something where he's there, but like you don't see him. I was laughing. It's it's yeah. so goofy looking. It's because it's because horror and humor both play on tension. Uh-huh. So it's just different kinds. But for me, all the outline stuff, while in isolation, it, I would probably find it goofy. I found it creepy here. And I think it's just like, I think this movie is interesting in the sense of how much of our perceptions of movies are based on marketing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking the turning was going to be a bad movie no matter what. But if we hadn't seen that trailer like four or five times and seen like seen Finn Wolfhard beat on the drums in that super <laughs> silly way. I was thinking about that. <laughs> would, would we have been maybe more open to the movie? Like, do we No, kind of, they don't. Because they have that exact same thing happen in the movie. It's not some like decision of trailer editing that made it goofy it was it was a goofy scene that they committed to yeah yeah i think you're right with the turning but that was just the only example i could come up with of like and this is why i don't like watching trailers and i like going into movies blank when i can um oh i'm thinking of the next big horror thing come out malignant I, there's nothing in that trailer leading it to me believe that it's going to be a hot trash movie yeah they're not they're not they're not doing anything that's inherently like goofy it's it's your it's your like normal horror trailer but there's not any weird quirks that are popping out that'd be like that's just stupid but i guess what i would say is that if that movie is the opposite of the night house the day house could that be a movie that we would never think is hot trash but then we go into it and it is 
Yeah, I mean, it could happen. Yeah, that's what. That's just what I found so interesting. We see almost everything that comes out. I like at, at we, least one one of the new releases a week. Like we will see at least one of them. Yeah, we see a lot. Um, not as much as I would like personally, but I mean, there's only so many hours in the week and only so many movies out nowadays. Yeah. So I, but yeah, that's just, I found that interesting separate from the movie, but I'm also glad that I found the movie interesting. I'm glad you found it good. I don't think this is a bad movie. I think it just, we're, <laughs> it's, it's that meme of, uh, of the person getting on the exit ramp yeah, like a little yeah. too late. That That's like my feeling towards it where it's like, we we're going this way and then we just swerved hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say that big, I guess to wrap up, obviously neither of us think this is hot trash. Um, I think this, if this had nailed the violence aspect of it, the murder aspect of it, or if it had eliminated that and replaced it or whatever, I feel like this could be, oh man, this is like one of my top tier horror movies for the year. And I watch a lot of horror. Mm-hmm. So like at least 30. Yeah. And so, and as of right now, it is the best horror movie I've seen this year uh, because it's basically this against carnival souls. Cause October hasn't happened yet. So, so it is up there, but I do think this could be better. Um, but for what it is, and especially for what I thought it was going into it, I'm really happy with, uh, the experience. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad. And like, it's, it, it's, 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 I don't even think it's like a meh movie. I think it's a good, I just, it just, it, it missed what I thought it was going for. And it took me out of it. I got my expectations set on something and they didn't, uh, meet them. Yeah. And if your expectations for this podcast is that we're just two rude boys making, making a bunch of goofs and riffing on bad movies, you probably didn't get that with this episode, but you can get that with our extensive backlog. We are sneaking up on 50. And let me tell you, we have something really fun planned for episode 50. Uh, if you are interested in any of our other podcasts, we have uh, all new 52 where me and Joe talk about uh, comic books. Then as a spinoff of this Star Wars therapy, where me and our consistent guests, uh, Steven and Alex talk about Star Wars. And then I'm also on the snub club, which is a, uh, older movie podcast. It's not really connected to this one. So I don't it's, know they're about to, movies. Yeah. It's still movies. Oh no, Joe, there's a night house behind you. I don't know how to end this one. It's the content castle, not the product palace. It's Charlie Cox. Ah, no, that doesn't work. Cause the, the listeners don't know you look like Charlie Cox. We have to, or so I've been told we have to go back and re-edit into like our, our like uh, Charlie's angels episode. You just being like it. Some people say I look like Charlie Cox.